Hi, my name is Yasmin Terehi, and this is Gateways to Awakening, where we host one-on-one conversations with leading experts in wellness and spirituality. Today's show is about tooth fitness and how we can clear stored trauma in our teeth. On this show, we'll be featuring our guest, Samira Neva Wilson, a registered dental hygienist. She was licensed as an emergency medical technician and has completed training in oral myofunctional therapy and courses in traditional Chinese medicine. She was the honored recipient of the John Smith Fellowship Award and the American Dental Hygiene Association Award for Clinical Excellence. She currently treats individuals and families in a holistic dental office in Mill Valley, California, where she is a licensed dental hygienist and specializes in phobic, highly sensitive patients. She is also a medical dental intuitive and a Reiki master. Thank you for joining us today, Samira. Really excited to have you on the show. Well, thank you for asking me. I'm excited to be here. <laughs> great, great. So um, I know we briefly spoke uh, about um, uh, the, the context of the show, and I think there's so many people that are really curious about the emotional trauma that is in our teeth. Um, and so, you know, I'm curious, you know, what type of trauma from your experience is stored in the mouth? How do you usually recognize it? Well, you know, it's interesting when, when I've talked to people about this, um, I, I like to say, you know, trauma can be, can come from many different places. We, we tend to not really think so much of how our body is impacted. Our mouth is impacted by everything you put into it. You, you know, I like to almost compare it to a film called like water for chocolate, you know, and it's one of my favorite films. I don't know if you've seen it, but where, um, the, the main character, she makes food and in the food, she expresses herself. And anytime somebody eats whatever she's feeling, they feel it. It's almost like, you know, thinking about when your mom made you, you know, your favorite rice pudding, for example, it, it stays with you uh, for a period of time. But, you know, in the mouth, we don't really think about, you know, the impact that somebody is putting something in your mouth. It's not going to last a couple of days. It's actually going to last sometimes decades. And so when you think about how that can profoundly have an effect on you because the energy of the person who's working on you or, you know, if it was something that was sent to the lab and the lab technician was working on it, there's an impact that can potentially be there. Um, You know, I say it could be coming from somebody who's working on you. You know, when we think about, unfortunately, in dentistry, it's got very high incidence of, you know, substance abuse and suicide and, you know, different kinds of addictions, divorce rates. So it's not, you typically don't really, people don't think about, well, here's this person who's going to be working on me, putting something in my body that's going to be staying, um, and, and what is that, what does that mean to me and my body? That's one way. Other things that can happen is it can be family. You know, if you're, if your family has had a negative experience to, you know, dental work that can also, you know, relay itself because we, we, if you're a sensitive person, you're aware of picking up some of that energy. Um, you can also have certain trauma that's stored in your mouth. That's coming from somewhere else in your body. So it's not always, it's not always just, um, you know, looking in one direction. Okay. Here's the mouth is the end, the end spot. You know, the mouth can be part of, you know, a whole line of things. It can be the start. It can also be, you know, 
an end spot, something happening in the in an organ may show up in the mouth, and like that. Interesting. So you know, so there's like this external um, type of trauma that comes from the dentist. There's an internal trauma that could perhaps be inherited from our from our families, inter- like a some sort of intergenerational trauma um, stored in the mouth. And then the last is sort of this this physical um, trauma that is found somewhere else in the body that either starts in the mouth or ends in the mouth. So um, interesting. And I think, you know, that leads into my next question, which is you talk about the specific emotional and physical meridians for each tooth. For a lot Mm -hmm. of people, you know, we don't actually, I think probably most of mainstream America doesn't actually know what that means. You know, what are the emotional and physical meridians for each tooth? Where did that come from? Um, I think that certain people have um, certain problems with specific teeth over and over again. Um, and sometimes that's within a family or that's within a relationship. So I'm, I'm really fascinated and curious by this question um, and what, you know, what this all means. So if you can explain that, that would be great. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, the the way, you know, I, I, I talk a lot in, in, in metaphors and analogies because um, I see things as pictures. And so the way that I like to explain meridians is I say it's almost like having a string of Christmas lights that go, you know, that run up and down your body. And on that string, you may have, you know, one light that's, you know, connected to your liver, another, you know, on the same line. And then it's going to, it's going to intersect and have a tooth that's connected to that. So if you know about Christmas lights, sometimes a light can go off, you know, or it might flicker or, you know, and many times they will still work the electric you know the electricity will still run through that meridian but it puts a strain on the line and sometimes there'll be one light that's flickering in one place and then in another place there's an impact because you know you want to have a clear smooth circuit well that's you know it's it's looking at it energetically if you have some kind of block again you know it could be it happens in, in the tooth and you know then then impacts other places or vice versa um, you know, one of the examples that I, you know, I, I've created this Acumeridian energy tooth chart, which brings together various other forms of charts that actually show, you know, the Chinese medicine meridians. It, it talks, you know, it shows in one place all of the different intersecting uh, points of information as they pertain to specific teeth. There's there's emotional aspect to the meridians, and and so I had shared this with somebody at one point, and I said, oh, you know, here's here's your chart, and you know, she looked at the tooth, uh, you know, we pointed to the tooth that was in question, and I said, oh, you know, this tooth comes in when you are six or seven. Did you have anything happen to you when you were six or seven? And she said, oh, well, you know, I had asthma. I, I was diagnosed with asthma and I started having anxiety when I was about six or seven. I said, oh, wow, that's really interesting. We just, and I, I mean, I, I don't, I don't have the chart memorized. <laughs> the beauty of having a chart is you can reference it, right? <laughs> and we looked down the line and it had asthma and it had anxiety. And it was, you know, I mean, I know that that tooth comes in at age six or seven and it was there. And so for me, having that understanding that there is a correlation, you know, I mean, it's, 
I think one of the fundamental things is recognizing that our entire body, you're, you're one whole being. And many times people don't recognize that there's a link and that you can have access to the rest of your body by what's happening in your mouth. It's something that I also find fascinating. Does that answer your question? <laughs> I don't know if I yeah, yeah, too no, much it, information. Yeah, it definitely does answer the question. I'm, you know, and I'm, I'm curious. So that chart comes from uh, Chinese medicine, and how, like, sort of what, what types of um, modalities d- did it come from? Well, so it's not new that people have been looking at the link between um, different organs and the mouth. So yes, traditional Chinese medicine, I mean, many times, you know, in China, my understanding is they wouldn't actually examine the patient. They would just have you open your mouth and then they could tell from looking at your tongue, the different organs. They could tell, you know, they could, they could diagnose because they weren't allowed to physically interact with a person. So they had to find another way to get this information. So I have many sources. Some of, the, some of it was Chinese medicine. Some of it was just dental information that I'm, uh, I, I know where the teeth are. So the point of this chart is for people to have an ability to do self-assessment. You can go online and there's many, many different locations. Um, I look at, there's a Swiss group that had a chart and I pulled it. There was a, there was another abridged version of a chart that came from a different dentist. I mean, if you go online, there's many, but ultimately I felt the need to bring together in one place a chart that has you know, the eruption dates, the development dates, the emotions, the organs. And, you know, for example, this patient, she looked at that tooth, it might have listed asthma, it might not have listed anxiety. So I pulled anxiety from a different place, so that it's all in one go. And I've also included elements and chakras that are related to the different organs so that you can, and that, and that's not from any other source outside of being a medical intuitive. And I checked in and that's, that's the information that I got. Got it. So you're really borrowing from a multitude of different sources to create this one comprehensive source. And I'm curious, Samira, um, can people find this chart anywhere online or, or do they um, can they only find it by working with you? If they go to my website, they'll be able to have to, to acquire it that way or, you know, through through contact with me. So it's my chart, although the information comes from other places as well as from me. So it's a collection. Okay, great. So, you know, now that a a patient learns about the trauma that might have happened in their mouth, what can they do to actually clear that trauma? Do you have any tools and tricks or things that people can do to actually clear the trauma? Yeah, I mean, it's that's a very good question. Um, You know, there people when they come to see me, we use different meditation techniques. You know, there is not you know, in my experience, you know, saying meditation is a, is a broad statement because each person is unique and, and individual. And many times the person will come in and they'll have, they'll have one specific concern and they'll say, okay, this is, this is my tooth. This is what's bothering me. But then what shows up is that it's not just that tooth. It's just that the tooth is what's calling for the attention up front. So different kinds of meditations, ways of clearing, Um, I have people do exercises. Sometimes it's just as simple as having gratitude, you know. So, you know, if somebody has a tooth, for example, that was fractured and has to have a crown put on it or something like that, 
you know, to just say, thank you, you know, acknowledge your tooth for having done all of this work. I mean, if, if you've ever had someone work for you, you know that you get the best results with gratitude. And so just as simple as saying, wow, you worked so hard, you broke yourself. Uh, thank you. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be here without all of the effort of all of my team <laughs> and all of you working together. It can be really remarkable. I mean, I, I have a patient who she'd avoided coming in for years and she was just, it, it, it starts to eat at you. So, you know, if you haven't been to the dentist and you say, oh, I need to go and then you don't go and then you feel bad that you didn't go and then you, then you don't go even more and then it goes on and on because this vicious cycle. So to actually come in takes a lot of courage. And so I acknowledged her for, for having come in. And, and as I was taking care of her teeth, you know, what I experienced from her teeth was that there was, they were happy. There was joy that they're, that they're being taken care of. Right. And in the sim, in the moment that I had that that information, that realization, as I was taking care of her, she started crying in, in my chair. And this happens quite often, not because I'm hurting them, <laughs> <laughs> but because there's an emotional release. There's something about being witnessed. There's something about that. It's magical for me. And, and obviously it was for her too. She, she started crying. She put her hand to her heart and she said, I'm not crying because I'm hurt. I'm, I'm crying because I just, I, I feel, I, I don't know. I just, I, I don't really know why. I just, I feel happy. And I said, I said, yeah, because you, you took the step to do self-care. And some of us, when we think about our mouths, we don't think about, oh, this is, oh, I have so much joy. I'm going to floss. Oh, I'm going to, Oh, let me be loving. I'm going to, I'm going to brush. It's more like, Oh, here's here. I have to do this. I have to do that. We don't have that experience with other things that have to do with our body, especially with parts of our body that work so hard for our, for us, you know, to keep us happy and, and ha alive. You go for a pedicure, you don't think, Oh no, somebody's going to have to massage my feet. <laughs> But you do with your mouth. And, and so I, I'd like to kind of change the context. And so just changing the relationship of, you know, here's this, this part of my body that I have to deal with that's always giving me pain, that's always giving me a problem. You know, no, who, who's going to want to be in a relationship in, like that? Right. So, right. you know, th these are these are some of the techniques that I say, you know, and and in the end, you know, when there's a part of you, this is, you know, my my sidebar assertion for what it's worth um, is that if there's any part of you that you reject, you know, you're going to experience that in your body. And, you know, of course, I, I see that in the mouth. You know, it's like, oh, can you just can you just take care of my mouth? And I don't, you know, I'll, I'll just zone out for the rest of this. <laughs> and it's okay. It's just, it's just noticing that, you know, if you had a relative that you did that with, they're not going to want to come and help you move. Right. Right. Yeah. So, so really reframing our relationship with our teeth um, is a really important kind of um, socialization that needs to happen because because you're right. I mean, I think everyone um, is nervous about going to the dentist. Usually, there's 
uh, fear around, you know, getting, having a cavity or even something as simple as people poking and prodding in your mouth and in your teeth. So, um, I think that's a great way to ignite like a new relationship with your mouth. So thank you for that. Can you tell us more about the stages and ages of tooth development and eruption and what that means? Um, yeah, absolutely. So one of the things that I find amazing is that, and of course I'm going to find it amazing because I'm in dentistry, (laughs) (laughs) um, the part of us. So, you know, when you're, when you're born, your baby teeth have already formed, right? And so pretty much you come out into the world and now you've got, you've got your organs, you've got, you know, you know, God willing, you know, hopefully you're, you've got all the stuff that you need. It's just smaller in size and, you know, your baby teeth are, you know, it's all, they're already formed. They're just going to come out. But at birth is when your permanent adult teeth start to form. And so for me, what I think of is, you know, if, if when you're, you know, in utero for various reasons, you know, you may, if you're, if your parent may have felt stress or, and, and, and I am a parent, so I, there's none of this is, you know, take this with a grain of salt. I'm not, I'm not holding any parent or relative responsible. <laughs> it's just, it's just a knowing that there's an environment. And when you have an environment that has stress, that's going to impact on whatever is growing there. So if you have, you know, your, your mom or whatever, you're, you're in utero. And now if there's trauma, it may come in any part of your body, which is where, you know, this is the thought where sometimes it's something that's familial. And so, you know, everybody in the family could be genetic or whatever that has like a knee problem. Everybody has a knee problem, you know, but it could also be that, that there's something that's stored energetically, traumatically that's in the knee and that can potentially be cleared. We see that also in, in backs, right? I mean, people who have uh, back issues many times, it's something that is related to, you know, some unexpressed trauma or, or stress in their life. Well, here's this baby that's born and all of a sudden their, their permanent grown-up teeth are forming. And as they grow, those teeth continue forming. And so at some point, if a new trauma comes and everything's already occupied, like the organs are already occupied, they, you know, but there's new storage in these new teeth. Where's the easiest, the path of least resistance? If you're going to store some trauma or some upset, something happens in your family or, you know, in your life and you can't process it in the moment, it becomes blocked energy, which is what I call, you know, dis-ease, trauma. Um, it's going to go somewhere. It's going to, it's going to be held somewhere. And I, I assert that it gets held in the mouth. It helps, gets held other places as well, but you know, in the mouth, it can be held and it can be based on when the tooth was forming in the bone or when the tooth comes out, when it erupts, it joins the environment in your, in your oral cavity, right? A perfect example that I have of this is I had a patient who had come in and said she never had any problems until she had her wisdom teeth taken out. And I said, oh, wow, you know, that's that's really interesting. So was there something that happened at that point? Or, you know, I mean, what what, what were the other issues that happened in your life? And she said, well, no, nothing really. And then I looked back and I said to her, wow, you know, look at when this tooth was in development. And 
I can't remember if it was, you know, something like she was, she was seven or eight. It's like, that's the age when it starts to develop in, in the bud stage. And she said, oh, well, you know, my grandfather died. And I said, oh, wow. And as she was talking, I was, you know, intuitively getting in for, you know, I could see there was, and I, 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 I could see that there was fear and I could see that there was heartache and there was, it was connected to the heart. And I said, what, what was, what did he die from? She said, Oh, he died from a heart attack. Okay. (laughs) And I said, well, was, did anybody know? And she said, no. And, and, you know, continued to just, you know, look at, wow, well, so your family was upset. You were a child and you couldn't process and the whole family, it, it caused a major disruption. And, and during that time, you know, it could have, I mean, I, I, I can't, I can't say a hundred percent, but it could have been connected to the fact that this is a tooth that then needed to come out. It couldn't, it couldn't stay in her body. She had to let it go. Wow. So that's an example for me. And sometimes, I mean, I'm from, I'm from New York. So sometimes when these things line up, I think, how is it possible? How is this possible <laughs> that it could be related? And, and yet at the same time, I, I recognize that, you know, when I think across, across the world with, with all people, they, not everyone has back problems. Not everyone has kidney problems. Not everyone has you know, hypertension or heart disease or any of, you know, people have different things. But if you ask, do you have something with your mouth? Do you have something dental? Pretty much everyone has something, which is what, why it speaks to me that there's something about that. There's something that's universal about how we are not always processing traumatic events because sometimes you just have to survive them. And they get stored somewhere. And where's the easiest place to store it when you're in, you know, the formative years where you don't have say over what's going on in your life? It's the teeth. And, you know, this is what my observation is. And that's why I think it's important that when you're doing a self-assessment that you want to also look back. It could be something simple like, okay, well, you, you were in a sports accident and that's what happened. Um, but sometimes it can be something that's not like a, a a traumatic impact that happened to you. It could just be what's going on, what's going on in your world, what happened in your family, what was the situation that that could have not necessarily been fully processed. And you know, again, there's many reasons why that happens. You know, you just have to get through it. Or, for whatever reason. It makes sense. And I think, you know, a lot of people, oftentimes there's like, I'm sure people in, uh, that you know of that eat a tremendous amount of candy that may not brush their teeth, um, and have no cavities or no issues in their mouth. And then others who, you know, brush and floss religiously and, you know, and not, they don't even necessarily would be eating a lot of sugar and they might have a lot of, uh, problems. So I think there's definitely, it seems to me, at least, and especially from, from how you're, what you're saying uh, that there is definitely something emotional to um, the trauma that we store in our mouth and and where we pick it up, you know, within our our journey from adolescence into adulthood and and how early it starts. So yeah, I mean, there's an aspect of it that that I say, you know, it's mind, body, spirit, right? So there is an aspect 
um, you know, to, to clarify, it's not, there's other things that also require looking at. It's not always the diet, you know, it could also be their, you know, their metabolism. It could also be, you know, how the position of the teeth are in their mouth. It could be related to the shape of the teeth. It could be related to, it's many, there are many factors to why people have dis-ease or, or decay or, or challenges. But, you know, what I like to think of is, you know, we don't typically address the energetic aspect. We usually just, you know, treat the symptom. And, you know, so long as you're only treating the symptom, there's something that can still be sitting there. It's not uh, sufficient. I mean, there are many times where, you know, it's like you said, they treat the tooth over and over, like it'll need one thing and it wasn't enough. And it's, and that's where you want to really look at, is there something else that I can do to help support this? And if you get one thing handled, that's one less thing on your, on your to-do list. <laughs> that's <Right>. one less <laughs> um, stress. And, and given the world that we live in, why not? Why not help alleviate some of that if you can? Right, right. We all have a capacity for a certain toxic load. I mean, this is this is what what I think of, you know. And and the toxicity can be energetic. It can be just environmental. It could be what the person's diet is, how their body metabolizes it. It can be, you know, electromagnetic frequencies. People are, have many different types of sensitivities, and we all have a different amount that we can bear, that we can hold. And so sometimes that gets tipped out of balance. And when there's an out of balance, it can show up with disease, with, with illness, with, you know, all of those things like decay or where, you know, there's inflammation and bleeding. Many people don't realize that, you know, when you have bleeding, basically that's an infection. You've got, you know, part of your body should bleed without there being a reason for it. And so these are like aspects that, you know, you could say it's energetic, you know, but it could be that the person just isn't flossing. Right, <laughs> and they, right. And they need to. So just, it's about looking at the full picture is, is what I mean. This isn't the magic bullet that all of a sudden is going to, now the person is going to be doing a meditation and all of a sudden now their mouth is all happy, can't, you know, happy clappy. But it could be that you do that and you clear something and then it opens up another area and now you're you're freer and you're able to to work through towards health that that maybe not you might not have thought is related to your teeth and and it's actually related to something in your body right interesting fascinating uh, samira can you can you tell us what exactly is holistic dentistry? It's a kind of a new term for me, and I'm sure a new term for a lot of people. Can you tell us a little bit more about what that means? Yeah. So holistic dentistry is looking at a person like they're a whole being. You know, it, it, it's, it, sounds, it sounds like it's obvious, but for many people, it's not. It's about recognizing that what you do to a person anywhere in their body especially in their mouth and with their teeth, will impact on the whole person. It's about checking to see if materials are in alignment with the person, whether the person has any kind of allergy to it. It's about, um, you know, again, just, just really knowing that whatever a person does in your mouth is going to basically stay 
for a long time, for decades. And taking that responsibility seriously, rather than just, you know, sticking whatever it is in the person that may be fine. It might be fine for one patient, but then the next patient will have a negative reaction to it. One person might be allergic to strawberries. The other person loves them and is fine with it. So it's the same thing with the mouth, except as I said, it lasts a lot longer. And it, it, I, I often, when I do my lectures, people are surprised when I, when I reference that your mouth is part of the rest of your body. People tend to compartmentalize and they think, oh, well, that's not, you know, I, I don't really have this issue. It's I'm, I'm taking blood pressure medication. Why do you need to know? What does that have to do with my mouth? Well, it has a lot to do with your mouth because ultimately you're an entire being and many of the bacteria that's in the mouth is linked to heart disease. It's also linked to diabetes. There's, you know, evidence that it's related to Alzheimer's. You know, there's all of this documentation that people don't really recognize outside of the dental world. And specifically, you know, holistically, as I said, it's a, it's a big honor and responsibility to take care of a person. And it's the entire person. You know, I, I often say, I can't help you directly with your kidney, but I can take care of it in your mouth. I can, I can, I can help right. <laughs> support you. If there's bleeding around this tooth and it's related to your kidney, let's take care of that inflammation that's in your mouth and then see how that electrical, you know, Christmas light that goes down to your kidney, how that's helped. Right. Makes sense. Very interesting. And I think, you know, the materials that are put into your mouth uh, is such a, a big topic and big conversation. I think so many people don't really, you know, have even a conversation with with your dentist about what they're actually doing to your mouth, right? You know, you just go in and maybe get a cavity filling, but oftentimes I think most patients are not asked uh, unless it's like for insurance purposes um, or, or payment purposes, you know, what type of filling it is. Um, and I think, you know, we can maybe all agree or or, or not uh, about the mercury fillings and, and, you know, how much damage that's caused or, or will or has the potential to cause later in life. So, yeah, so I've, I've just been very curious about that and also root canals, but we can we can get into those topics later. Um the thing that's interesting in dentistry, so that you know, is that that amalgam mercury fillings are still allowed. They're still used. From my understanding, you know, last year, I believe NYU Dental School decided that they wanted to stop having their dental students place amalgam, you know, mercury fillings. I mean, an amalgam means a collection of different metals and the mercury is in there as one of them. And when they did that, the board of examiners uh, threatened to withdraw their certification, their, their ability to um, teach and, and have uh, dentists produce. So they had to put it back. So it's been, it's, it's something that is recognized that mercury is detrimental to the, it actually impacts on the nerve sheath. So the way that I think of it is you've got the plug that goes to the, you know, to the wall and you don't want those wires to be exposed, right? Because that's dangerous. Well, our nerves have that. They have like a, a like a plastic coating, so to speak, in the same way that a, a plug does. Um, mercury damages that. So then now you have like the raw 
copper wire exposed. And so not only is that detrimental, but it also then becomes more detrimental for other metals to impact because now that part of the nerve is naked. And so everybody agrees with that around mercury. The, the disagreement is how it's not linked to the impact that it could have on the mouth. And so it's a very controversial thing because if you say this is bad here, then why is it not bad in my mouth? And so that's that's where the debate goes. I mean, I, I have a very very dear friend um, who's a dentist. He was a dentist. He is a dentist still in Colorado. And he's been practicing, you know, again for decades. When he first opened his practice, he said that they had a guy come in and check his amalgam disposal. It was a specific inspection that happened where this person needed to verify that you were disposing of the amalgam mercury, you know, that mercury is in the amalgam in a way that didn't impact on the environment. And so he said to him, and this was maybe like in the 70s or something, he said, well, I don't understand how, you know, you're you're checking this as it pertains to disposing of it because it's not good for the environment, but but it's okay to put it in a person's mouth. You You can't throw it away just in the garbage bin, but you can put it in somebody's mouth. And, and he said, you know, the guy said, well, you know, this is, this is, I can't answer that. This is just my job to just check that it's inspected. And from that moment on, this friend of mine refused to put any amalgam in another person, in another person's wow. body. If it's not safe enough for the, if it's not safe enough to throw it in land, these metal amalgam fillings, how can you justify then that you're putting it, and sometimes they even put in children, and it lasts decades. And so that's the part that, you know, and 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 perhaps there was a point, there was a point in time where that was the the only option that was available. That was the only thing that could do the job and withstand the forces and all of those things. That's not the case now. So regardless, of my you know my personal feelings on this is that regardless of whether you know you think it's bad for you or not if there is if there is an alternative that does not have a toxic metal in it why don't you just go with that one right <laughs> just pick right. the one that doesn't have the mercury <laughs> yeah and, and then you can have whatever opinion you want it's all good <laughs> Right. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. I I think, um, I also heard, I, I don't know where I heard this. So, um, you know, take it or leave it, but I heard that the reason why dentists have such a high suicide rate is because of all the mercury feelings, because they also get exposed to the mercury and it all, it causes depression it causes, um, you know, some sort of, some sort of damage, uh, internally. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, I just think about, I mean, what came to mind is, was Van Gogh and he, and, you know, with his, you know, we, he, we recognized lead <laughs> it was not a good thing to paint with after all, right. <laughs> after yeah. the, after the fact, after the fact of insanity, I think, you know, there may, there may be some, something to that. I, I can't really, I can't really confirm or deny I just also know, you know, this is not, it's not an easy position to be in where people, you know, have dread for coming in, they have discomfort and they don't, most people don't recognize that, that 
the best type of relationship to have is a want is one of partnership, you know, nor do, you know, many dental people, it's, it's almost like your, your dental mechanics, as opposed to, you know, providers of, of solution and health, you know, and that's not a blanket statement. It's just, there are many people that just, you know, it's just, okay, you've got, you know, we'll drill and fill, drill and fill. And, you know, you're, you're helping to a certain extent, but if you don't address the deeper issue, and ultimately also take responsibility for how you feel. You know, if, if I'm not happy and I'm making a meal for someone, they're going to have that in their body for a certain amount of time. But if I'm not happy and I'm putting a crown on a person or I'm putting a filling and that's going to last for years, how, how is that, you know, a kindness. How, how is that acting with kindness? How is that not recognizing that we're all linked and all of our behavior has an impact on each other? You know, that's a, that's a separate podcast that you can have with me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll be here all night. <laughs> yeah. So I wanted to actually ask you, Samira, um, what kind of patient usually comes to you for help that maybe doesn't want to go to a regular dentist? Yeah, well, so that's a great question. So, so the patients that come to us are patients who are very well informed. They've read many times. The patients will share with me certain of the certain products that they're using. Again, it's a it's a relationship. It's a partnership. Yes, I'm an expert in what I do, but they are an expert on them. They're an expert on who they are, and so all I can do is help guide them through their process so that we can get them to the healthiest that they can possibly be with their mouth. That's not a common philosophy. Unfortunately, I could say in in healthcare in general, not just in dentistry. There are patients that have come into me who said, you know, I I was fired from my dental office because I was crying. I was like, really? What? Why were you crying? Well, I was crying because I was upset and I was sharing how there was, you know, this this tooth was really bothering me and I didn't uh, the previous dentist didn't do what I wanted them to do and they just want to do what they want to do. And I said, okay, well, I get there's like a level of compassion that's needed. So people come to me who seek compassion. People come to me who seek, you know, the absence of judgment. People come who want to be honored for the courage it takes to trust another human being to work inside of their body. People come to me who've had, you know, negative experiences elsewhere. People come who need a second opinion that don't, that isn't necessarily, um, you know, radical. Sometimes people will come and they have like the beginning of decay and their dentist says, okay, well, let's fill it. And they think that that's preventative. Sometimes there's ways that you can arrest, you know, or even partially reverse decay. That's not a philosophy that's that's usually shared. You know, we also we live in a, in an age of dental insurance that is dictating certain procedures. You know, you 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 get compensated for, you know, restoring things. You don't really get compensated for preventing the mm, breakdown. Yeah. You get, you know, you get compensated, you know, it's like a cleaning no, this is, this to me is, you know, what I do, helping people limit the amount of inflammation that they have in their body. That to me is not 
is essential. That to me is essential. It's not, you know, an optional, okay, well, I just want to look good. Yeah, you look good because you're healthy. (laughs) Right. (laughs) When it's not healthy, it doesn't look good, but you're not coming just so that you can look good. You're coming to me because you're wanting to take responsibility, take ownership of your overall health. And, you know, accessing it through the mouth, which is the portal to the rest of the body. I'm curious, Samira, what sort of things have surprised you in this journey um, in your practice? Well, so one of the big things that surprised me in this journey is that I'm a dental intuitive. There was no other dental intuitive that I'd ever heard of. It was something that just came because I had a patient who'd been coming to see me for quite some time. And every time she needed her teeth cleaned, she needed to be on nitrous. She did all of the things. It was actually a, uh, an amazing woman, very successful in her life. She, she helps children that have been... Uh, abused and you know she's a social worker psychologist you know person and I was taking care of her 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 that day and I got an intuitive hit and I said I said is it okay if I share with you what I got and she said yes and I said well many times people come in and when they have the nitrous it could be because something bad happened to them And so in that moment, she just started crying and just, you know, had had a breakdown, which was amazing because it it happens to me. As I said, it happens to me a lot, not because of what I'm doing to them. It's it's has to do with my holding space or, you know, the emotional aspect of this type of work. And so she said that she had been molested by her dentist, who was her neighbor, and that her family made her go and see him, even though she kept saying she didn't want to go. And they kept having her go because they thought it was, oh, this is another dental. Nobody wants to go to the dentist. You still have to go. Well, the outcome of that was that as she got older, what, what I recognized was that she couldn't, she couldn't allow herself to accept any of the wisdom that he had, any of the good things that he may have said, like flossing is good, brushing is good. She needed to completely reject everything because of the horrible things that he did. And so that ended up having a huge impact on her life, you know, for the rest of her life, you know, she's got, she's got dental issues, right? And so after we had this discussion, you know, it was remarkable because in the next visit, she was still doing the same as she'd always been. And now her gums weren't bleeding. Now, now her mouth was better. It was, it was for me like this complete surprise. And that's when I got, oh, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. This is why I've been in dentistry for 30 years. This is why, because you know, I, I'm an artist and I'm a singer and sound healing uh, appeals to me. Art therapy appeals to me. So many different aspects and, and avenues that you can become, you can use your medical intuition towards, you know, being a spiritual coach. All of those things I, I have an affinity to. And I always wondered, you know, I love, I love what I do. I love being in dentistry. I love helping others so that they can 
you know, fish for themselves. I don't have to fix all of their problems. I can just support them on their path. And I recognize that my sound healer friends, they can't be dental intuitives because they don't have the knowledge and the experience that I have. And, you know, the art therapists can't do it. So, so there's no choice, but for me to be a dental intuitive, it's not, as I said, it's not a sexy (laughs) path to use intuition in, but I also, you know, as I've said, you know, you don't hear of very rarely do you hear that people don't have some issue in the mouth. And if it's not me who can see that correlation between spirit and physical and body, um, then who? And and so that was when I when I stepped into it, and that was that was a few years ago that I recognized that yes, this is this is what I have to do, and this is how I can help others so that they don't have trauma. And and my personal experience, you know, I'm a dental phobic. I've had negative things happen to me in dent. I've had teeth issues and I'm I you know here's my confession right and my family always wondered how is it possible that you went into dentistry how could you <laughs> possibly you know and I, I I my mother got me the job <laughs> I'm saying. and I fell in love with it and I and I recognized having been a child who had literally been kicking and screaming coming into the dental chair where they had to you know adults had to strap me to the chair wow to take care of my teeth i thought to myself wow i don't want that to happen to anyone else like like whatever it was that that dentist whatever little filling he needed to do that he felt was so necessary that he had to strap an 8 year old child to the chair to do that feeling is long gone, but the <laughs> impact has stayed. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and, and thankfully now I can I can look at people who come to me who say, I had, you know, this dentist it was this or this. And I okay, yes, I know. I I do not wish to have that perpetuated. And if even slightly I can just alleviate some of that for another person, you know. It, it, I, I have no choice but but to want to do that. I'd rather it be like something glamorous. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I think what you're doing too is you're creating essentially a new field, which um, is the intersection between dentistry and intuitive medicine. And I, and I think, you know, you're humanizing uh, dentistry. And I think because so many people go to the dentist and and still feel like it's a clinical experience and um, the human, human aspect, and especially the spiritual and emotional aspect, but even just the human aspect is, is not really there. So um, I, I sincerely love your approach and I, I wish every dentist Thank you. Uh, could bring could bring all those aspects to uh, what is often not a very fun um, visit to, to make. So thank you so much, Samira. And just a, a couple a couple last thank questions. <laughs> What's the main takeaway that you want to tell our audience? Your teeth are people too. No. <laughs> so love them and appreciate them and recognize that they have they have a role. They're not just laborers, right? Um, you know, actually, so my my main takeaway, 
main takeaway would be, you know, recognize that your mouth is part of your body and that any part of you, all of you, needs to be cherished and loved and valued and taken care of. And if you can look at taking care of your mouth, you know, if you if you think about, you know, you don't you don't dread washing your hands because your hands you love your hands and you don't dread putting lotion on your hands so that they're soft and lovely. Also, wash your mouth in the same way. You think of it in the same way. Don't think of it as, oh, I've got to do this as as a terrible thing. You know, think of it as as, you know, love. Right. Loving, loving your mouth is loving yourself. Beautiful. Yeah, that's a great takeaway. <laughs> uh, you've given me a lot <laughs> to think about as well, as I'm sure uh, the audience. And are there any resources or maybe books that you can point folks to? Um, what has inspired you in this space? Um, and also, where can people find more information about this topic of uh, holistic dentistry, intuitive dentistry? Well, so the intuitive part is still, as you said, it's something that, that I'm just, I'm, I'm hoping will, you know, inspire other people to recognize, um, the calling to be in that role. So pretty much I'm, I'm it when it comes to the dental intuitive. Um, but you can also look at books. There are books that are written. One of them is called, um, the mouth body connection by Gerald Kuratoa. I'm, I'm, probably destroying his name. Uh, another one is uh, Radical Medicine, which is uh, by Louisa Williams. And, you know, it's cutting edge natural therapies that treat the root cause of diseases. It's like a tomb. This book is not just for dental. It's like, you know, if you want to go holistic all the way with everything, amazing resource. Um, there's the Whole Body Dentistry uh, Complete Guide uh, to understanding the impact of dentistry on on total health, there's uh, Dr. Douglas Cook, and his book is called "Rescued by My Dentist: New Solutions to a Health Crisis." These are all um, recognizing the relationship between the ba- the body and the and um, the mouth. Um, if you want to look up and find a dentist or have more resources um, around or, or professionals around um, having more of a holistic approach, there's a website from the International Academy of Oral Medicine and Toxicology. It's I-A-O-M-T dot O-R-G dot org. Um, and so those are some of my um, recommendations and, and resources. And people can also feel free to reach out to me. I'm always honored. I just wrote all the book titles down that you mentioned. So I've never heard of them before, but they seem very interesting. So I'm sure that our audience is going to greatly uh, benefit from this. Thank you so much for your time, Samira. This was uh, just an incredible conversation. And I feel like I learned a lot about holistic dentistry, intuitive dentistry, um, what it means to store trauma in the mouth, um, what it also means to have a new relationship with your teeth and with your mouth and, and essentially, you know, humanizing the experience of, of going to the dentist. Um, so thank you so much for your time. And for those of you who want to learn more about Samira, you can reach her through her website, www.thepolishedsmile.com. 
Well, thank you so much, Yasmin. It was an absolute pleasure. I'm 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 so honored to be included and to and and I hope that that there was something that was useful in what I said. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And for our audience, thanks for joining and for listening. In this episode, we learned about where we store trauma in our teeth and how we can clear these traumas. So tune in to Gateways to Awakening, where we host one-on-one conversations with leading experts in wellness and spirituality. Thank you.